so today, uh, I've already told you that we're kind of diving into a new thought, a new series. Hopefully, you guys were here uh, last week in our uh, biannual celebration and got to see a little bit of what God's vision is for our church for this year and uh, all the great things that I believe He's going to accomplish and do. And so the beginning part of that was to kind of give you an idea of what greater vision is and what that looks like for our church. And then I believe the very first step in that is love and extension of love, and it just kind of fit that it was Valentine's month, and and there's a if you if you maybe uh, are nervous about this is because I believe there's a lot of pressure that comes along with Valentine's, right? There's a little bit of uh, wondering, and there's a little bit of hopefulness, and there's a little bit of thankfulness. Maybe there's a a feeling of I've got to keep a man or keep a woman, or I've got to get one, or I'm so glad I'm done with one, right? Some of you kind of feel that on all different levels, uh, and so that's I believe that's a good thing. I think it's something we can at least talk about in here because when we talk about love, we have all these different definitions of what love is and what it means. And I was, uh, I was looking, we were in Little Rock yesterday and there's, uh, you know, there's pink hearts everywhere. And if you go into Target or Walmart, they took all the Christmas tree cakes out and replaced it with uh, Valentine's hearts and swimsuits. And I was just like, I'm not ready for this. I want my Christmas tree cakes back, right? And so we've, we've kind of switched into this mode of, uh, of love and, 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 and thinking about and trying to express correctly love. And real talk, I believe some of us don't want to talk about this subject because honestly, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, right? Maybe we've had some uh, some hurt feelings or some or some damaged emotions, or maybe we uh, kind of walk through some hard places of love and and when we talk about love it 's kind of hard to really wrap our mind around that we 're going to walk uh, I believe all the way through this topic with the, with my hope is through hope that there 's a hope of a greater love that there 's a hope of of learning what that is, of living that out in our life, expressing that to others, and maybe even experiencing that for ourselves. And so as we move through this series of greater love, I want to move through that with the hope of experiencing and sharing and seeing and, and really feeling a greater love than ever. Now, I believe that we have, as a culture, uh, really twisted and manipulated what love really is. And I begin to think, why? How in the world have we gotten so far off of what maybe the Bible says that love is into what culture now says that love is? And And I struggled with this, and I thought, listen, what better way to figure this out than just, let's just go to some love songs, right? Because this is how we put lyrics and music together to just express our deepest emotional thoughts and feelings. And I thought, this is the best way to define love. Like, why would we not learn from our good friend Garth Brooks and his incredible example that his parents set for him? Mark, go ahead and play that video. Mama was a looker, Lord, out to shine, pop. What a great example from your parents, right? Monogamy, patience, virtue. I mean, all this. Like, he set us up like we've, we've got this great example of mama's in the graveyard and papa's in the pen, right? And so why would we not learn from his great words of wisdom? And I thought, well, let's go a little bit further. And for you younger folks, the Backstreet Boys taught us a lot about our standards. 
Listen, standards. Mark, play this. I don't care who you I don't care if you're an axe murderer from Switzerland, as long as you love me, right? That doesn't make any sense. I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you're from, just love me, right? Our standards are out the window. Who cares, right? And some of you, I know you're going, listen, this is all 90s pop. Let's go back to 1983 in the golden years, okay? Some of y'all are going to recognize this and this unhealthy obsession that we all will sing for the rest of the day. Go ahead and play this one. Some of y'all think this is some of y'all think this is 1997 and Puff Daddy singing about Notorious Big IG, but it's not. This is the original. If you don't know who those people are, don't worry about it. Don't don't Google them either. So I got to look, yeah. Man, if you wrote your wife a love note that said, every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'll be watching you. (laughs) They're going to be like, really? Stalker? Much? Right? This is not a good example. And now now I know you're going, okay, 83 is not far enough back. What about the golden years of music? What about... Diana Ross, right? And the Supremes. There's the song I've got with Diana Ross, the Supremes, and the Temptations. Giving us a great example of what persistence looks like. Play this one, Mark. Look ahead. My love is strong, you see. I know you'll never get tired of me. Go, baby. Show on. I could sing this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to use every trick in the book. I'll try my best to get you hooked. Hey, baby. Here we go. Sing this song all weekend. Every night, every day, I'm going to say, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Look out, boy. I'm gonna get you. And then you got to do that. I'm going to. You got to do your little handshake right there. I just, I've sang it all weekend. It's a great song. But listen, we go back. One more. One more. Just because I know some of you are going to listen. That's not real music. Real music is sang by the man of country music, which is Hank Williams. The Hank Williams. And he teaches us a little bit about the blame game in 1950. Listen to this one. Well, why don't you love me like you used to do? How come you treat me like a worn out shoe? My hair's still curly and my eyes are still blue. 
Why don't you love me like you used to? My hair's still curly. My eyes are still blue. It's your fault. Why don't you love me like you used to do, right? And we have been learning these songs for such a long time because it's always somebody else's fault. And I thought, listen, with this kind of an example, no wonder we've got this idea of love messed up. Listen, I could go back to 1986 and Van Halen and Love Bites and Def Leppard and all that kind of stuff, but we're not going to go. There's a lot of songs about love we can't play the lyrics on in church, right? But the problem is, is that when we begin to express something that we don't really know how to express because we don't really know what it is. And yeah, we can laugh at all these goofy songs, but the reality is when we begin to understand love and understand love from God's perspective, it brings a whole new vantage point to this. So over the next four weeks, we're going to take four unique and different looks at love. Uh, we're going to talk about people who are hard to love. We're going to talk about um, what love is. Next week, we're going to look at the most controversial verse in Scripture when it comes to love. And it's not, I promise you, it's not what you think it is. And then this week, we're going to talk about this idea of greater love and how in the world do we even understand this greater love. So if you've got your Bible, let's go to John uh, chapter 15. Now that I've all put a song in your head for the rest of the day, you'll be singing along too. Um, I will try to focus you back in on John 15. If you start with John 15 at the very beginning, John 15 starts off with, I am the vine, right? Remain in me and I will remain in you. Uh, you will bear much fruit. It's a really great uh, passage of scripture that we're going to talk about. We're going to kind of wrap this up on the backside and kind of give you a whole picture of what this chapter uh, really is. And then in verse 9, he switches. He changes to tar- start talking about love. And this is Jesus talking to the whole chapter of chapter 15. And, uh, and he starts talking about love. In verse 9, it says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. This is really a great and incredible thought. Of, and it's really deeper than we even give it uh, credit for. This idea of, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Can you imagine that God, the Father, the Almighty, the Creator of all things, loving God the Son, the exact representation of His being, right? We say that in Scripture. Scripture says that by Him and through Him and for Him all things were made. And this is literally God loving Jesus, the the Son, as really just a part of who He is. Now, we can't quite wrap our mind around that. It's, here's your history lesson for today. Can we just do this? Can we go back? And, and I, if you like history, then you're going to love this. If you don't like history, just hang with me because it's going to make sense. So if we go all the way back to the year 315, 312, okay? About 312, 315, this is the, this is the fourth century. This is um, Constantine is the ruler. He's the emperor of Rome. And he has finally legalized Christianity. From this point, Prior, uh, Christianity was against the law. That's remember, you go all the way back from Nero and Domitian and these guys who persecuted the Christians because it was against the law to worship Christ because if you worship Christ, then you were not worshiping the emperor. And so Emperor Constantine comes out in about 312 and says, okay, Christianity is legal. So for the very first time in the history of the church, the church has been able to gather publicly and now they have to kind of put some thought together as to how do we define 
what we believe? How can you begin to put into words the things that are most important? And so what they did is what anybody would do is they get all the smart guys together, all the church smart guys together, and they have what's called a council. You may remember this from history, an ecumenical council, right? And so they begin to put these councils together, and these councils would just publish creeds. And creeds is just a document stating what we believe. And you may have heard of things like the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed or the Creed of Constantinople. Okay, so it's got really big, fancy words, but here's what you need to know. In 325, they had this, uh, con- they had this little council in the, the city of Nicaea. Okay? And so they produced a creed, the Nicene Creed. And in that, uh, described the relationship between Jesus, God the Son, and God the Father they used a very specific word. It's a Greek word, and it's on the screen. It's homoousios. Now you go, that's a stupid word. Why are we going to learn about that? Because it's really important. Because that word means of the same substance. Okay? And so when they talk about God the Father and God the Son, when they published that creed, they said they are of the same substance. It's the exact same Now, there were people who had issue with this statement. They did not like that one word in the creed. They believed that the word should have been used of homoousios. And you're going, okay, that's just got an extra I in there, but it's pronounced a little different. That word means of similar substance. Do you see automatically how that lowers the position of Jesus? From being the exact same substance as God to being uh, he's kind of similar substance as God. And so when they published this creed, man, there was just people on both sides who, oh, I don't like that. I love that. I don't like this. I don't. And so they got to yaw yawn back and forth together. And so they decided the only thing that we can really do is just have another council. Okay, so we'll have another one. They called another one together. Constantine actually was the one who called this one and said, listen, you guys got to figure this out. This is not okay. You can't be arguing amongst yourself about who God the Father and God the Son are and how their relationship is toward each other. And so they got together again. And famously, there's both sides kind of arguing their point and what nobody talks about, but it's in records and it's in history and it's true. St. Nicholas, jolly old St. Nick, is at this council. And he's arguing for the side of same substance. He's a homoousios guy. And the other guy stands up in the council and he's going, no, that's not right. He is God the Son and he can't be the same. He's just similar substance and it lowers the quality of who Jesus is. And Saint Nick gets up, walks across the floor and slaps the guy in the face. And we're all like, yeah, don't mess with Saint Nick, right? And he leaves that council because he's so mad. And the council all goes, hey. We're going to stick with same substance because that's probably the right idea. So that's what they all kind of kind of got together and they said, yes, that's correct. And so they left it of same substance. Now, the reason why that's so important is because when the Bible says that as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. What Jesus is saying to us is he's saying, God, God just loves me like I'm an extension of him. And how he has loved me, guys... You are just an extension of him. That's a very deep and profound statement. This also, for you worthless information people, is where we get the phrase, not one iota difference. I-O, it's a difference, okay? That's where that phrase comes from, the difference of homoousios and homoousios, okay? Now that you all know Greek words, we can all say we're smarter today. But here's the deal. 
When Jesus looks at us and says, as the Father loves me, He loves me like I'm just part of Him because we are the same thing. I love you that deeply. I love you that intimately. I love you that personally. You are literally an extension of me. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that bring a whole new light to this one very simple thought? And then he says, now, remain in me. He says, I, I love you like I'm loving myself. Just remain in my love. How? Great. Jesus keeps explaining. Verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Isn't that great? He tells us to do something. He tells you how he loves us. Now, just remain in me. And if you do this, you'll remain in me. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love how Jesus does this. He says, listen, I'm loving you like a literal extension of myself. Just stay in this love. And if you stay there, the only way that you can stay there is if you just do what I ask you to do. If you just obey my commands. Now listen to what he doesn't say. Very specifically, Jesus doesn't say, if you say you believe all the right things, then you'll remain in my love. Even better, he doesn't say, if you understand everything about everything about everything, then you remain in my love. He says, if you obey, if you just do what I'm asking you to do, if you just live life the way I ask you to live life, there's action behind this. And, and this is not, listen, this is not, you have to keep all the rules, you have to do all the right things, or I don't love you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that obedience is the outcome of love. That because I love you, like the Father loves me, you can obey. You have the ability to remain here. It's not obedience earning love. It's love driving obedience. It's this incredible thing that then when we love God the way that He loves us and He is poured out to there's the only natural reaction for us to do is just to do what He asks us to do. When we completely understand the love that the Father has for the Son and the love that the Son has for us, then we just say, I'll do whatever you ask me to do because I've never been loved like that. And he says, so, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He, took, he can look at us with this incredible satisfaction knowing that we are living what he called us to do. Isn't that great? Wouldn't you want God to, I believe, like we talked about this on Wednesday night in our Wednesday night Bible study, I feel like sometimes God looks at us and goes, oh, again? Right? Like, like this proverbial eye roll, like, oh, Matt just messed up again. He just totally messed that all. Like, he, like he's never done that before. He did it last week, and he's keeping, he doesn't do that. If we, if we love him and if we understand that love and we're, and we're obeying and we're just living out this love, isn't it great that he can look at us and say, my joy is in you? Now, isn't that what we want him to do? Wouldn't we want to live our life in a way that God looks at us and goes, man, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of what he's doing here. I'm so proud of how he's handling himself. I'm so proud of how he's loving people. That's exactly what I want him to be doing. That's exactly how I want her to be living her life. My joy is in, my joy is in you. And it says, 
that your joy may be complete. Which means this really mind-blowing thing that our obedience completes us. That if we are if we are being disobedient to what God asks us to do, then we are, we are lacking something in our life. We are not fully complete. That's, that's incredible. Because when we walk in the middle of what God has for us, we feel this wholeness on a level that we haven't. Maybe when we're out doing what we, what we quote-unquote want to do or what we think we want to do, when we come back to the middle of what God has for us, you, you know that. You guys who have been in that, and maybe you've been walking in, in God's will for a long time, or maybe you just kind of slip in and slip out, and you're kind of just kind of all over the place. But when you're in it, and you know you're in it, and you're doing exactly what God asked you to do, and what He asked you and called us to live our life by, you know that feeling. And you know that feeling is a feeling that's complete. That our joy can be made complete. And so He wraps this great statement in verse 12, verse. Uh, 12 and John 15 says this, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, we take this love that God has given to us, and then he says, all this that I gave you, all this that I love you, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, it's going to make you complete. Now take that and take it outward and love each other like I loved you. And honestly, church, if you're just real with me and real with yourself and we would all look at each other and go, I can't do that. I can't do that very well. That's really hard to do. Because that means that we have to get involved in people's lives. It means that we have to get in the mess of people's life and just love them. It means that we don't judge them or condemn them or talk about them like we like to do that, right? Talk about them. It means that we love people as He has loved us. And I'd be willing to bet that you've experienced Jesus coming into your life and loving you when you are broken and in the middle of your mess. He meets us in the middle of sorrow and loss and shame and guilt. And he sees us through all these external circumstances that kind of brought us to that position in our life. And he loves us at our worst point. And now he looks at all of us and says, when I loved you like that, you love other people like that. Man, it's so hard and it's so big. And that means that that we've got to love people that hurt us. That means that that people who act different than us or maybe uh, that look different than us or maybe even believe different than us. It means that when broken people come to you, you don't step away, you step towards them. When people in the mess and they, they bring all their baggage and all this junk and they just and you're like, oh my gosh, here they come again. You don't step back from them. You don't avoid them. You don't go down the other aisle at Walmart. You step towards them. Oh, that hurt somebody, didn't it? That hurt somebody's feelings right there. You step towards them and you love them. And it's not because you, oh, I'm so much better than them. I'm going to meet you in the middle of your mess. It's like, man, I've had my mess and I've had people love me through it. And I've had God love me through it. And so I'm supposed to be an extension of that. So I'm going to step into them. I'm going to step into the middle of their mess and I'm going to love them even better. So, what if what if the last three people 
who are difficult to love in your life. Think about it. Think about the last just three people that you can name off. And some of you all have already got your list. You know exactly who I'm talking about, right? It may be a co-worker. It may be a family. It may be your spouse. It may be your kids. The last three people that are hard to love and the last few interactions you've had with them, what if, what if God loves you the way you What if God treated you the way you... What if God talked about you the way you talked about them? Listen, this call to love each other is not just this, oh, that's a great thing. We'll talk about that in church and everybody will feel really good. This is a hard calling on our life. And Jesus says, love each other like I loved you. In all your mess, in all your junk. I had to stop there because verse 12 is so like, it's so hard. But verse 12 and 13 are really one continual thought. So let's just read them both together, okay? So it says, my command is this, love each other as I I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, right? There's our series title in red letters in your Bible. If you've got a red letter Bible, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Friends, I believe this love, that there's no greater expression of love, that you'd be willing to die for your friends. And I believe this one statement speaks volumes, and it speaks on a couple of different levels. I've got just three in my own mind that I believe it speaks to. I'm going to tell you what those are, but for the sake of context, I'm going to talk about them in a different order, okay? So number one, we obviously know that this is Jesus talking about his uh, own sacrifice that he would make. When he talks about greater love is no one than this, he laid down his life for his friends. This is him foreshadowing that he's going to do on the cross for us. I also believe this is talking about what was going to happen in the lives of the disciples with everything that they were going to go through and experience. I also believe that it's talking about us today, me and you kind of love. And so let's talk about these. Let's unpack these, um, but I'm going to unpack them in a different order than that. So remember, who Jesus is talking to right now is he's talking to his disciples. If you take this conversation in scripture and just go all the way back to where Jesus starts talking, he starts talking in like John 13. Uh, We read just a few weeks ago, John 14. Remember Philip saying, show us the father and that'll be enough. Y'all who've been around, remember that passage. And Jesus like, how can you even say that? Do you not even really know me? Remember that we, we preached through that the first part of January. And this is the same conversation. Jesus is just continuing to talk to and talk, teach through uh, with his disciples. Now these men, are, are understanding something that they really can't quite hold on to. Remember when Jesus is crucified and he uh, is buried and then comes back and lives for about 40 days on earth again and ascends to heaven. Once he ascends to heaven, he gives the church the command to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus ascends to heaven. And then it's left in the hands of these men. These men and women who have been with Jesus for about three and a half years, who have seen and experienced things that they can't quite put their finger on or even explain. But the the hope of the gospel and the life of the church is left in a few hundred people's hands. Really, even smaller group than that of core leadership, apostles and disciples. And because of these men, 
and their willingness to stand up for what they believe to know as truth and their willingness to go and spread and share the gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit that came and all the things that happened through the first few chapters of Acts. You read that our church is born and it explodes and it goes all over because these men held to what they knew to be true. And if you read and if you go back through history and you see every one of the disciples, every one of the apostles, except for John, was killed for his faith. From everything from beheading to being impaled on a stake to being crucified on a cross to one of the disciples, the, 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 the history ledger says that he was literally filleted alive because he believed who Jesus was and he died standing up and proclaiming that truth. And so when he looks at us and says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, guess what, guys? We are their friends. By the sacrifice that they made in their own life, that the life of the church continued to grow because of those men and being so devoted to what they believe. My question to you, are you that devoted? Are you that in love? Are you that enamored by his love that you would willingly lay down your own life? I believe that that's the, that's the thing that he's asking us to do. That over and over and over again, when Jesus came up to people, he said, follow me. Just follow me. Just walk where I walk. Learn from what I'm doing. Let me be your example. And then he says after that, he says, listen, if anybody wants to come after me, he has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Which means that we have to take up our cross, literally representation of our own life, Willing to die to do whatever God's calls. I'm walking in whatever He walks me through. I'm going through the middle of whatever He's called me to. I'm not going to skirt around issues. I'm not going to pretend like I don't believe. I'm going to stand up for what I believe to be truth. And I'm going to, I'm going to boldly proclaim that truth. That's a call for us to die to ourselves. In context, obviously here, Jesus is talking about Himself. And about this incredible sacrifice that He's going to make for these men, that he's, they don't even get it. They don't understand. They don't connect the dots. Greater love is any man than this. He laid down his life for his friends. They all go, yeah, I mean, sure. I would die for my friends. I would die for my kids. I would die for my spouse. And they didn't quite get it. And I don't know that we always quite get it. And over the course of years and years, and we kind of go from the 30s to the mid-50s, and, and Paul... The Apostle Paul begins to write and begins to share these letters. And Paul put it in incredible perspective for us in Romans chapter 5. Look at this verse on the screen. You see, just at the right time, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God, Demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm not sure that we can really fully understand and comprehend the magnitude of his love for us. Greater love has no man than this. He laid down his life for his friends. So that means in the middle of our mess in the middle of the things that we are so afraid to step into somebody else's life, when we were so anti-God, God still looked at us and said, I love you enough, I'll die for you. 
and we read Romans and we go, very rarely will someone die for a righteous person. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. Church, that's love. That's greater love. So let's read this verse. Let's read this because it all goes together, okay? Let's read those verses and we're going to pick up, I think verse 14 is on the screen, but I'm going to read back from verse 12 because it all makes sense when you read it all as one big long paragraph. My command is this, Jesus talking, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is so great, so, so deep. So we don't have time to get into it. Jesus looks at us and says, no greater love than this. That he laid down his life for his friends, and you are my friends. Like if we walk away with anything this morning, we can walk away going like, that I'm friends with God. I can hear Randy Newman in the background singing, you got a friend in me, right? Because that's how God sees us as friends, not as servants. Because servants don't know what's going on in the master's business. But Jesus says, listen, I've told you everything. That God has told me, I've told you, I'm not holding anything back from you guys. I've told you everything. You're my friends. And I'm laying down my life for you. He didn't, he didn't make us robots. If he wanted somebody just to mindlessly do whatever he asked him to do, then he'd have made a robot. Instead, he made you and I friends willingly obeying his direction. He wanted friends to share his life and his love with. But above all that, he chose us. He chose us in his infinite wisdom. He could have made his gospel message known by any way possible. He could split open the heavens and thunder down a voice from above and say, I am God and this is how I want you to live. And everybody would just, we would all just mindlessly like, oh my goodness, that's incredible. We're going to do whatever that voice says to do. He didn't do that. Instead, he chose humans. Failed, flawed humans to make his message known. He chose us and he appointed Go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That is mind-blowing that he would choose to use us in any way. But more, I think more than mind-blowing, it's, it's humbling. It's this attitude of, I cannot believe he would choose to use me. I cannot believe that he would really make his ultimate expression of love to us. Here's my last thought, and I'm... I'm done. If you don't get anything from this morning, get that Jesus is an incredible teacher. Like if you've ever had uh, somebody teach you that is just really, really good, they're a great storyteller. If you've ever sat underneath a great storyteller, then you know that like when they start when they start telling stories, man, you just you're immediately drawn in and you're immediately captivated. And they bring this whole maybe a big long story back around, and you're just like, oh my goodness, how in the world did that happen? This is this is Jesus. And Jesus is like times 10 of all that. And so remember when we talked about how chapter 15 started and he was saying, I'm the vine, 
remain in me and I'll remain in you. Remember all that? Jesus brings all that back full circle at the end of verse uh, 17. It says this, it says, starts off saying, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me and I will remain in you. Bear fruit, he tells them. And he says, in verse 9, he switches over, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you, love each other like this. Proof of that love is dying for your friends. You are my friends. And I've told you everything you need to know about life and living. And I chose you to do one thing. Bear fruit. Fruit that will last. You know what that lasting fruit is? Love. It's the fruit of love. Love each other. This is so great. These first 17 verses out of this chapter. It, it, I challenge you to go home and read it later. Go home and kind of dissect it a little bit and see how Jesus says all these little points and he wraps it all back around to love each other. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. I am the vine. Stay connected to me. The thing that proves that you're connected to me is if you love each other. If you really understand how all this is focused in on you and you take all that and you push it out and you love each other. So I have on the screen, how you how you loving? How are you loving? Are you hesitant? Are you pulled back? Are you all in? Are you, are you surrounded by people you're just like, you know what? I don't understand. We were doing our, our Everybody Always study on uh, on Wednesday nights. And, uh, and the guy who teaches that study, we watch a little short video. And his name's Bob Goff. And Bob's just great. And if you... If you ever read anything of Bob, you just kind of you just kind of love him and just love his perception on things. And and his one of his points is love people who creep you out. And I'm like, that is so true. Are you are you surrounded by people who kind of creep you out? It's not your family. It's like the people that you involve yourself with. Are you loving people? Do you when you look around, do you see a whole lot of people that are just real easy to love? Or do you see people who are hard to love, but you're you're being love to them. You're extending love to them. You're loving them the way God loves you. Because I believe this is really our job. It's our job to love people. He says the command I give you love each other. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 says this. This is great and it really puts us all in the context. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What if the people in your life had to gauge how much God loved them based off how much you love them? How well God loves them based off how well you love them. This command, love one another, love each other, is, is so easy to read and so easy to gloss over. But I'm telling you, church, when we begin to do this, we really understand what love is. I'm going to ask you to stand and bow your head. TJ is going to come up and, and sing a quick song of invitation. And here's your invitation this morning. It's very, very simple. Are you loving? Are you loving people the way God loves you? Listen, maybe this morning, maybe for the first time in a long time, you've understood a little bit on a level that God loves you even though you're in the middle of a mess. Maybe for the first time this morning you thought, I need to understand this love before I even begin to try to express this love. That's the very first step. So if you're here and you're not in what we would consider a saving relationship with Jesus, that you don't know if God really loves you or how he could love you, then I would love to talk to you about that. I'll be down front. Dustin will be down front. We'd love to walk you through how much 
and what all God did to prove His love for you. I'd be willing to bet that a lot of us in here who've grown up maybe in church, and yes, we, we know we're saved, but we're really not loving well. Because the world can turn us a little cynical. can kind of keep us at arm's reach with each other. Maybe there's somebody in your world that's hurt you in the name of love. Maybe they've, maybe they've manipulated what love really is. And you've just got walls built up. And you think somehow you're protecting yourself, but you're really not. Maybe today's the first day that we need to start expressing that way. Maybe today we need to go to somebody and we just say, I love you. Even though we've been just at each other. Even though we've been at the worst part of our relationship, I love you. And we're going to get through this. This is your opportunity to, to kind of square some things away. Don't gloss over this. Don't think about what's next. Just in this moment, allow God to speak truth to you. And maybe you put action to that truth. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. And we are so thankful for the incredible love that you show us. And as the Father has loved me, I love you. God, that statement just, I can't, can't get away from it. Father, help us, number one, accept that love because none of us in here are deserving. And Father, as we accept it, let us turn it outwards. Let us love other people. Help us be a church that steps into the lives of people because we're not any better. We may be a little bit removed. We may be a little different. We may, we may come at it from a different angle, but we're not any better. We're sinners. We, we deal with stuff in our own life, and we need people to step into our mess. Father, if there's somebody here this morning that doesn't understand what real love is, how you have loved us, God, today is the day. Help them nail it down. Help them figure it out. Help them to ask the questions and be bold enough to grab somebody, maybe sit next to them or come down here and talk to Dustin or I, just to say, you know what, I, I need to understand this real time. Maybe there's some forgiveness that needs to be offered today. Some let's move past this point. Let's walk through this together in love. God, help us be people who obey this command. Work in our hearts however you need to in this moment, Father. Don't let us, don't let us clam up. Don't let us not move. Let us be freely moving in your love. It's in your son's name we pray. Hey, this is Matt Overall. I'm the pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Just want to say thanks so much for watching our services, whether through our television ministry or our online ministry. We appreciate you so much being a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and we'd love to have you come and join our worship service. Uh, Sunday morning service starts at 10.30. Our small groups start at 9.30. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. We've got a lot of different ministries that happen at Emmanuel, from our children and youth that's focused on Wednesday nights to our uh, women's Bible studies that happen throughout the week. We'd love to have you be a part of everything that's going on here at Emmanuel. Thanks for watching.